women are not monolithic, right? We're not just, there's not just like pick a box. Like I talked to a woman, I've got a woman's perspective. The worst thing we can do is tokenize women, uh, I think, and create, you know, what, what I call is like the women's perspective. And I'm, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. I've seen it. It's, Everybody turns in the room. There's a bunch of men. They all turn in the room. They, you know, they say, Jenny, what do you, what do you think? What, what, what do you think from a woman's perspective? Welcome back to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. What you've just heard is a brief snippet of the insight of today's influential woman in food, Jennifer Stoikovich. Jennifer is the founder and creator of the Vegan Women's Summit, and the author of The Future of Food is Female, Reinventing the Food System to Save the Planet. If you've ever found yourself irritated to not only be the only woman in the room, but also expected to speak on behalf of women everywhere at that, then you won't want to miss this episode. In fact, if you're discouraged or frustrated by the disparity between how men and women are represented in the food and beverage industry, then this is a can't-miss episode. We pack a lot of great information into this episode, from talking about how Jennifer got started, to why she launched the Vegan Women Summit and penned The Future of Food is Female. Amid the conversation about the importance of diversity and inclusion in our boardrooms, we touch upon the widening gap between who gets funding in new food and beverage ventures and who does not. We talk about why representation matters and how things like the baby formula shortage would have likely been prevented had there been more diversity in the rooms where decisions were being made. We also spend some time talking about why the Vegan Women Summit is important, not only to the plant-based and animal-free food sector, but to the many product and networking opportunities that exist because of it. And like every one of our influential women in food episodes, we end talking about the advice Jennifer would give and has received throughout her career. Enjoy the episode. Jennifer, so excited. Welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. Let's kick things off by getting to know you a bit more. How are you serving the food and beverage industry right now? So I have pretty much dedicated my entire professional career to working in the plant-based and animal-free food system. So we have a few different ways in which we are getting more women into the food and beverage industry. The first, of course, is Vegan Women Summit. We're a global platform of women in the future of food. We started with 250 women in a room two years ago. And we have over 40,000 women professionals working in the plant-based and animal-free food sector now. Uh, so we're working to get them more funding, more job opportunities, more media attention, uh, and just elevating their presence in this growing industry. And, of course, in addition to that, uh, that is really what the, the book has become as an extension of our work and our platform. So The Future of Food is Female is my first book. It was published in April. Uh, we debuted as a number one new release in six categories, and we are looking to create the platform and amplification of women in the future of food. Uh, they still continue to be very much underrepresented in many ways, which I'm sure we'll speak about. And the goal of the book is to really be that first uh, publication to focus on women founders 
building the plant-based and animal-free space. But I want to know a little bit more about your background. I think that's, you know, as we get to know you a little bit more, how did you arrive at founding, um, you know, the Vegan Woman Summit? And again, uh, just, I'm very curious. How did you arrive at the role? And has your background always been in the food and beverage space? I have a little bit of an atypical path. So I was, uh, you know, I was very much a tech focused for the majority of my career, building innovation and working in Silicon Valley is actually where I got started uh, in this space. And the way that I actually came to food, interestingly enough, was essentially a, a convergence of both my professional and personal life. So in my own life, I've been, you know, vegan for almost eight years and been a very uh, big in advocating on the cause and, you know, being a part of it from a more charitable side of things, being on boards and working with nonprofits and things like that. But back in 2018 or so, when I started to see uh, the plant-based food system taken much more seriously and, and starting to really come to the forefront of things, I decided that that is absolutely the next big thing. Like that is what the tech industry is going to become. Uh, so I thought, what better time than now to jump into, you know, what we call the future of food. So that, to me, is uh, innovations that are removing, you know, animals uh, from, from the food systems, whether it's plant-based foods or um, even some of those things uh, relating to cell-based meats and, and other technologies. I wanted to bring those to the forefront and be a part of that industry. So I've really actually taken my tech background and brought it to food. Uh, otherwise, I have no food background whatsoever, uh, which is kind of funny, I guess. Well, admittedly, um, we love an atypical past around here, so you fit right in. <laughs> um, love hearing that, um, you know, I, I, I love a route that is a non-traditional route to get to where you are. Something I'm really excited to talk to you about is, you know, the many things that you do to help women, not just in food and beverage, but in business in general. Something that really jumped out at me, though, is how you help raise awareness about VC bias. Can you go into greater detail about what biases women are up against in the venture capital space? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, the, the reason why DWS even exists and this work even exists is because there is a huge disparity when it comes to the lack of funding and representation that women in food are receiving, right? So even though it may seem like the, the food and beverage industry is, is dominated by women uh, in the plant-based space in particular, in the, in the food technology space, the lion's share of all money that has been raised in this industry um, has, you know, has largely, largely been raised by men, right? So globally speaking, in the VC space, 97% of all funding goes towards male founders, 97, <laughs> meaning that less than 3% of all venture capital that's invested goes towards women founders. And the worst part about that is that that's actually been trending downwards in the last couple of years, which is shocking. And you know, not something that you would expect to see in 2022, but the pandemic, though it became a flurry of investment and a huge, huge frothy market for founders out there, uh, actually caused a lot of VCs to double down on what they described as safe investments, and safe, unfortunately, to them is male founders. So 
just to you know establish the entire kind of basis of the industry, it is still very, very, very male dominated when it comes to investment. In this space in particular, there is just such a tremendous amount of women that continue to face bias from investors. So more than half of the women that we speak to each year in our women founder report do report experiencing bias from investors. And unfortunately, the vast, vast majority of those women experience gender bias specifically. Uh, so the majority, I think close to 80% said last year that they experienced gender bias specifically from investors. And gender bias is a very, very tricky thing because gender bias can manifest in many different ways. So of course, there's the very overt discrimination and bias that unfortunately some women face, which is, you know, literally being told things like, you're never going to make it like women can't, uh, you know, women, when, women can't scale companies. We actually have a very famous CEO that we work with that was told when she first went out to, to raise her company, which is now, you know, valued at hundreds of millions that if I was your husband, you know, I would say to stay in the kitchen. Like those are some of the stories that we've actually heard from women, which is quite shocking. So that is one type of bias. But the real type of bias that typically uh, is seen in this space is unconscious bias. And that's where most of us operate. And that's where the real work needs to be done because there's a lot of unconscious bias that exists where there's investors that have preconceived notions about certain founders, certain industries, certain demographics that just quite frankly are not true. And unpacking that is the real work, I think, when it comes to this industry. And especially when we talk about the plant-based industry, there's a few examples of, of how bias has manifested, you know, one of them being the fact that as you and I speak right now, we're in an infant formula shortage right? Uh, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy like, catastrophe that's facing the infants in, in North America right now. And this is something that has received little to no attention in the last few years when it comes to capital, even though we have known for a very, very long time that high quality, you know, plant-based and even like, you know, uh, animal-free infant formulas are really, really important. Uh, there's just been little to no investment until a few years back. So we're very late into the game. And to give you an idea of, of how big of an opportunity this is, the infant formula space hasn't been disrupted in almost 60 years. It's a huge, huge opportunity. In addition to that, it's about 10% of the global liquid dairy market. So it's actually a massive market as well. And because we have just had 95% of investors as, as males up until you know recently, and actually it's still, I think, close to 95%, they just didn't see the market opportunity. So that's what gender bias looks like in this industry. Uh, and then, of course, racial bias is another thing that we hear quite a lot about. Uh, we have entire demographics that are getting left out of the uh, plant-based market. You know, that's why we're seeing people like Pinky Cole raising $100 million for, um, for Slutty Vegan because she's one of the first brands to truly target the African-American and black population. 98% of her customers are black. Uh, and that is just such a huge opportunity that's been missed because we have so few black um, founders, we have so few uh, women founders, we have so few founders of color, there's entire swaths of the American population that are not being served with the current plant-based options. Um, and we're missing complete um, culturally specific lines of food as a result. One of the reasons I created Influential Women in Food 
is not only to showcase women who are doing amazing things for the food industry, but also to bring awareness to the kinds of biases you're talking about. So that is such an important point. I, I mean, all the, all everything you're saying is important, but you bring up like just that's so rich in terms of information that I feel like all people, all people in business and especially the food and beverage industry need to hear because I think a lot of those, not just data points, but the reality um, is lost on a lot of people. I've been doing this for years and I still, when I hear that kind of the bias and the numbers and the funding, it still uh, grinds my gears for lack of a better word. And as for the formula shortage, uh, my own sister with her newborn is uh, experiencing, she's on the tail end or having to deal with that. So dare I say dealing with it secondhand. Um, <laughs> It's, it's it's real. It's very real. Yeah, it's but very it's also, real. It's very real, but it's also, oh, my God, why did nobody predict this? Like, I, do you have any idea how many women founders that I work with that have been pitching pregnancy, infant, you know, toddler products for years and years, mm-hmm. and everyone has been telling them, there's ah, there's no market, ah, there's no space, eh, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, because they have no idea because the vast majority of investors, you know, let's, okay, let's be honest, right? The vast majority of VCs are men. The vast majority are white men. And in addition, the vast majority are affluent white men. So it's, you know, they're so disconnected from the experience of a mother. And, you know, quite, quite honestly, many of them are probably disconnected from the experience of a, of a working mother that doesn't have help at home. So so many of these day-to-day realities for women like your sister, um, for those that, you know, aren't in, in that, that life, are being missed when it comes to market opportunities to invest in. And anybody could have foreseen this one coming. But alas, like when you have a very monolithic group of people that are doing all the investing in the food space, you get products that miss out an entire swath of the population. When people tell me, you know, is there a big enough market for plant-based and, you know, healthy infant formula? I say, what do you mean is there a big enough market? A hundred percent of us are babies. Can you speak to some of the advocacy work you're doing um, for increased diversity and representation throughout these industries? So we're working in many different facets to increase women's representation in the space. So first and foremost, we, obviously we have a flagship conference, the Vegan Women's Summit, our namesake, and, uh, it is the premier conference for women founders in the future of food. We just posted it uh, in April here in Los Angeles. We had over 800 women fly in from all over. Uh, and it is, you know, it's the only place where women exclusively are elevated in this space. So we work with celebrities and CEOs and investors and founders to bring them together and just launch them into a professional platform to give them the, the, the attention that they deserve. So that is our yearly conference. That's a big, big annual gathering that we do. That'll be coming back again next year. Uh, and for folks, the first question you're going to ask is, are men allowed? Yes, of course. Uh, 80% of the, our attendees are women and uh, 20% are men. So that's our big thing uh, to amplify their voices. But the work that we do throughout the year to grow this industry is, is quite impactful as well. We do VWS Pathfinder, which is our pitch competition. It's our virtual pitch competition and Founder Summit. It's the only one in the world that is exclusively for women, again, in the you know, plant-based feature of food space. And uh, we've received over 1,000 pitches from 31 countries and counting in a year and a half. So when people tell me there aren't enough women founders in food, 
that's the first number I point to. I say, oh, yes, they are. You're just not looking hard enough, right? You know, we, we've always, we always put the onus upon the, the founders and the entrepreneurs to find the investors, but the investors also should be finding them. It's a two-way road, and we haven't really established that as the norm. Um, and so for, for women that are not connected to that industry, they're just being left completely unseen, and they're not getting connections and access um, that you would get if you were born in Silicon Valley. So we're trying to change that. Uh, one of the things that's really exciting about that is that, you know, we are receiving pitches from six continents, and, and the women that we've been able to focus on are coming from all across the world. So that's another thing we're working on. We also do VWS Connect. It is the only job networking series uh, in the space. So if you want to get a job in the plant-based or feature of food space, we have the only virtual job networking series. We've connected over 2,000 job seekers with companies like Beyond Meat, Impossible, Miyoko's, you know, very big high-level companies in the plant-based space with talented professionals. Uh, because the, the fact of the matter remains, we don't have enough women CEOs and founders, but not everyone wants to become a women, a CEO or a founder. Uh, you know, some people, they just want to become leaders in the space in, in whatever they do. So it's so important that we also have women represented as executives as well. It's also important that we have women represented at every stage of the company, you know, junior talent professionals, uh, mid-level managers, C-suite executives. We need to make sure that women have that representation at every single step of the company because that's how we build better products. That's how we reach more and more consumers. The data does not lie. Diverse teams build better products. That is the truth. There is no way around it. So if we continue to have teams that are homogenous and, you know, are excluding women, especially women of color, we're going to continue building products that are really only designed for a select group of people. And that doesn't make any sense for anybody's bottom line. So that's why the Job Networking Series has been such a big part of our work. Uh, and then, of course, as we've talked about, we produce the only founder report for women um, in the future of food. So we speak to over 150 CEOs around the world each year and gather really, really uh, deep dive data. So if folks are interested, you can go to veganwomensummit.com and just scroll down. It's on our homepage, our founder report. We produce it every single year. It's the only resource that has any stats on what is going on with women uh, in this space, whether it's opportunities, whether it's, uh, you know, fundraising horizons, whether it's, you know, biases and challenges, we collect all of it, and it's a very comprehensive report. So all of those pieces all together are really how we are trying to accelerate women in this space. And then, of course, the book is, is an extension of all of that work as well. Tell me more about the book. Speaking of, um, tell me more about it. I'm very curious. I'm sure the listeners are as well. Um, give me the the short, long, whatever. Let, I really want to hear more about your book. So The Future of Food is Female is the first book ever written in the industry focused upon women leaders in the future of food, which is crazy because the future of food and, you know, alternative proteins is one of the hottest markets right now. It's, it raised $3 billion last year. You know, how on earth, can there not be a single publication that focuses on women? So I thought out to write it. Uh, the goal of the book is to create that representation for women everywhere. Uh, I spoke to women across six continents. So I've got uh, CEOs, investors, venture capitalists, a few celebrities. I've even got a member of the European Parliament that's in the book. And what I sought to do was write about 
what they are doing to innovate and change the food system, why they do it, where they came from, so that anyone, especially young women, especially students, especially those women that, that are looking for, for their path in life, for them to pick it up and see, you know, one of these 15 stories connects to them. Uh, and it's going to be different for everyone, right? Everybody has such a complex and rich lived experience that we need to show that no matter where you came from, you can find your way into this space and build great things. And so, you know, it's equal parts educational and inspiring. I love that. Um, I'm going to go look for it. I've got to get my hands on this book. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, Available on Amazon worldwide. Easy to get. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, we'll definitely be checking that out as soon as I get off the call. Uh, <laughs> um, so it can't be stressed enough how important it is to help women be seen and heard, especially in business and particularly in the food and beverage industry, as we've been talking about. How can we, the collective we, do a better job of watching out for and listening to women? Oh, that is... That's a big question. One of the most important things that I think is very important for us to cover here is women are not monolithic, right? We're not just, we're not just like, pick a box. Like, I talked to a woman. I've got a woman's perspective. The worst thing we can do is tokenize women, uh, I think, and create, you know, what, what I call is like the women's perspective. And, I, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. I've seen it. It's everybody turns the room. There's a bunch of men. They all turn the room. They... You know, they say, Jenny, what do you, what do you think? What, what, what do you think from a woman's perspective? And I'm like, well, I can tell you my perspective, but I, you know, I'm not a mother. I am a millennial. I don't know what a boomer is going to think. I don't know what an Asian woman is going to see, think. I, I can tell you what a Californian woman is going to feel, but I don't know what a woman in Texas is going to feel. Like, I, I think that it's so important for us to understand that women are just, you know, we're 50% we're of the, 51% of the population. And so there's so, so, so many different perspectives and experiences that women bring to the table that we shouldn't be relegated to that tokenized role. Uh, and that happens too with, you know, when you are part of the global majority and, you know, you find yourself as like the only person of color in the room and everyone turns to you and it's like, what does the black community think? You're like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just one person. I can't represent all of these people. So I think that's the most important thing to understand is that it's not enough to just have one woman representative. You need to have everybody um, at the table. And so women have found, uh, women founders of color actually receive 0.5% of all venture capital. So 2.5% is going to white women. 0.5% is going to women founders of color. They're even... Like, just, it's, like slightly, it's a fraction of a percent. It's less than 1%. So we have a very, very far way to go uh, before we have a complex and inclusive food industry. It's hard not to listen to you and not, like, want to just, like, get up and scream and tell people to, like, hey, everyone, like, shake everyone. Hey, open your eyes. Uh, <laughs> come on, let's do a better job, which is, of course, why I love talking to the many different women that I am very fortunate to get to talk to on this podcast and as part of Influential Women in Food um, because I, it's that different perspectives that are so necessary. I want to switch gears for a little bit and 
you know, kind of do what I call, it's like my favorite, the advice portion um, of, uh, of an interview. So that said, what's a piece of advice you were given early on in your career that you still use today? I'm going to go off the here. I got, I got a lot of like the usual isms that I share, but this, there's two that I'm going to use from my favorite mentor, uh, one of the women I actually acknowledge in my book, uh, Karen. She was my very first mentor I had when I was very young in my early 20s. And she said <laughs> to me, if you're ever trying to get consensus or get people to listen to, you know, a perspective and they're not listening on your team, one of the greatest little cheat codes in life is to bring in an outside party to say the exact same thing. And it was something that I was thinking about earlier this week because I use this trick actually on something and my God, it worked really, really well. And she's like, just bring in an outside source and suddenly everybody will respect them. Like even if they come from one city over, if you are bringing in uh, an external expert, quote unquote, no matter what they say, even if it's the same thing that you've said, it will be received differently. Uh, and that is a little tip I've used uh, over the years. And, and I, you know, I do it with friends as well when, when we're working uh, together as colleagues. Sometimes just they're saying, I want to drive this home with my team. I'm going to bring you in as an advisor on this project. I come in, say the same thing, and suddenly it's like the greatest thing ever said. Uh, that's a really funny little uh, thing that I was actually thinking of this morning that I want to share with everybody. Uh, the other thing that, that she taught me, uh, that I think is just sage wisdom to, to carry into 2022 and beyond is don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out of your head. Oh, I like that. I, I like the, the consensus uh, consultant. Uh, the consensus consultant. There we go. We can brand the... <laughs> it's, um, it works, man. And I'm telling you, I promise everybody listening... It's a trick. It's a little psychological trick. And, I, and you know, you can, you can even set up with some of your colleagues, like, a little bit, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like, I'm remembering you in for an advisor. Like, down the road, we'll do the same thing, vice versa. You can move mountains, uh, I think, when you, when you really strategize, like, how to get people on board like that. Speaking, you mentioned mentorship. Um, if you were to mentor a woman or women, new to the industry, what two or three pieces of advice would you give them other than the consensus and the open-minded thing? <laughs> so I do participate in a number of mentorship programs, actually. So it's something that's very important to me, and I, you know, both officially and unofficially mentor a number of women in this space. And I think that, you know, the first thing I tell every woman that I'm talking to, and I tell, you know, especially young people of, of any background, actually, this. The industry that we're in, like specifically the industry that, of, of food, like the, the future of food space, uh, plant-based foods, things like that, it's so, so new. Like what we are on the brink of, like this is just the very, very, very beginning. And it may seem like there's all these industry giants out there, but you too can find your place amongst the giants. You know, I think it's, it's super important to establish that we're just in the starting, you know, starting line here when it comes to what it's going to take to revolutionize the food system and to save the planet. And so I, I want everyone to realize that although it may seem when you're, you know, looking up at the top that it's already been all built and, you know, the winners have already been chosen, 
this ain't going to be like a Coke Pepsi situation. You know, we're not going to have a few brands that dominate and suddenly, you know, change the world's, um, you know, um, supply of meat overnight. There is going to need to be so, so, so many innovations, so many brands, so many companies, so many leaders that need to be a part of this. So I think that's really important for anyone that's listening to understand that, like, we're at the very beginning. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like being in, like, the early 90s on the Internet, right? Um, I'm writing a piece for Rolling Stone right now about this, about, you know, what are we going to do about the plant-based bubble popping? And, like, ugh, it's going to pop, like, 50 more times. We've been declared, you know, in 1994, they declared the Internet is dead. Can you, even, can you imagine that? Isn't that, like, like in 2020, looking back, somebody said in 1994, the Internet's dead. It's never going to work. And mainstream outlets actually said that. So I want to wrap things up by um, giving you an opportunity to, if anyone is interested in learning more about what you're working on, where can they find you? Um, kind of a last-minute pitch for Vegan Women Summit, or if there are women or even men listening, um, whoever is listening, that may want to participate in Vegan Women Summit or any of the other programs, uh, any future projects, mentorship, or anything of the like, um, how can they get in touch with you? So I am pretty much everywhere. I am all over the Internet, so don't worry. It's easy to find me. Uh, you can follow me specifically on LinkedIn, Jennifer Stoikovich. I've got one of the leading future of food pages, so you'll see lots and lots of content from me about what I'm up to. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Jenny Stoikovich. Um, and then if you are interested in following the work at Vegan Women's Summit, veganwomensummit.com slash newsletter. That is the place to join over 10,000 of your newest friends and learn about uh, women in the future of food. Every week we do Women Founder Wednesday. It's the only newsletter that's focused on women-owned uh, companies and some of their successes. So we cover uh, 12 to 16 stories every single week, digest for you, and send you in your inbox Wednesday morning. Uh, in addition to that, we're super active across all channels, as you can imagine. So we are at Vegan Women's Summit on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, on LinkedIn. We're very active on LinkedIn. As I am writing this, we are just about to pass uh, 10,000 followers on LinkedIn. So we are a very, very active page. And, of course, on Twitter at Veg Women's Summit. Uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff to come from us. We're very active in the community. Our big, big conference will be coming back next year. Our pitch competition will be coming back in the fall. Uh, lots of opportunities to engage with the community. It's very exciting, and I hope everyone listening will reach out um, and that you'll have lots of new opportunities and people to work with and mentor and influence and inspire. So with that, I want to say thank you for being on this special Influential Women in Food episode of the Food for Thought podcast. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast.
Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.